BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome everyone, my name is Jack Rico and thank you for downloading episode 23 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. This week I'm joined by two guests currently making waves in their respective industries. Mexican-American actor Benito Martinez gives us details on season three of ABC's hit show, American Crime, and what it was like to work with Tom Cruise in the new movie, American Made, coming out fall of this year. Did he get starstruck? Then we chat in an exclusive interview with Jack Hobbs, president of the new Revolver Podcast Network about multiculturalism, Spanish language radio, the future of podcasts, and an announcement about this podcast you're listening to right now. Benito Martinez, one of the most versatile Latino actors in Hollywood, is not a superstar by any means, but producers and directors can't seem to get enough of him. He has been consistently working in movies, TV shows, video games, and more since 1988. And this year, he tells us about two key projects that are sure to get people's attention. Benito Martinez, thanks for coming on the Highly Relevant Podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. So congratulations for returning to season three of ABC's American Crime. I've watched it uh, since uh, its inception. Um, never seen anything like it on broadcast TV. Early reviews of the new season have been very well received from everything I've been reading. Uh, as you know, this is one of the most diverse shows on broadcast television right now. Why do you think diverse programming is being more embraced by network executives than just a few years ago? I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, it is an industry. It is a business. And it's proving to be profitable. Uh, people are tuning in for more complex stories from various backgrounds. And it's, uh, you know, across the board from 24 other shows that have a lot of uh, cultures represented. They're popular. They're successful. It's good storytelling and diverse storytelling and it sells. These stories have always been out there. And I just feel like some executive never wanted to put it on air. So something changed. There was a shift in mind thinking where somebody said, well, why didn't we do this? So they point out to a specific situation where they feel pressured to have done this. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, look at the ratings. What do you think that moment was? What was the indicator in your mind as an actor when you started receiving more calls to work on more diverse programming? That's a deep question. Um, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think a lot of, uh, the stuff that happened with the shield showed that it didn't have to be just typical characters. 
you know, um, what CCH Pounder did with, with her character that was as much male as she was female, as much black as she was just blue as a cop with, with the characters that the character that I played in Aceveda that, you know, they showed that they're multi level, multi complex characters. NYPD blue did a tremendous job at that. The Sopranos did a tremendous job at that. That's right. There's lots of different shows that, that were like, you know, we're going to tell this story and not apologize for it. We're not going to apologize that they're an Italian family. We're going to embrace that. I think it, some shows got more heat than others, and, and that really led the charge. Because American Crime is an anthology series, your role changes from season to season. Who do you play this season, and mm-hmm. do you consider it a better better role than the previous two seasons? I play Luis Salazar. Uh, it's a man from Mexico looking for his son. I wouldn't say it's a better role than the other characters I've played previous. It's very much a different role. It's a man who lives by a different set of rules than, say, Alonzo did in the first season, or, and he's not a politician like my character was in the second season. What's wonderful about jumping into the skin of these characters is that they're so thought out. They're fully fleshed. And you can have, you know, Alonzo, my character from the first season, you know, go into any environment, walk on the moon or go into a grocery store, and you still have this guy who has the same perspective, the same point of view, and it's interesting to watch because he's a fully fleshed character. The character I'm playing this year, he's kind of um, kind of a spy, and hmm. he he doesn't know what he exactly you know what I mean. He doesn't know exactly what he's getting into. He doesn't know who to trust. He doesn't know where the road's going to lead him. But all he knows is he has to play his cards close to his vest, and trust very very little, and um, and see how far he can get. You speak an abundant amount of Spanish this season. Are you a natural Spanish yes. speaker? And do you think American viewers are ready for Spanish dialogue to be spoken on broadcast TV? Oh, absolutely. I think the, the, the public is ready for that. I am not a native Spanish speaker, but I have been speaking Spanish my whole life. It's not my first language. Um, and I certainly had to step up my game for this season. Um, Did you have to get a dialect coach? Did you have to... What was the process there as an actor oh, yeah, yeah. to kind of get into the language? Absolutely. If I, sure, if I were doing Shakespeare, I would make sure to get a language coach to make sure it sounded authentic as well. And right. If I were doing French or Italian or, or a Southern accent, you know, you want to pay attention to honor the people that you're representing. In this case, my character's from Veracruz. He's a, a, he speaks Spanish perfectly, so I wanted to make sure I embraced that and spoke. You know, I enhanced my level of Spanish speaking. Well, that's great because um, you could use that after the show, you know. And <laughs> well, I love doing that anyway. I love, you know, I, I love languages anyway, and, and it's a path that I've been on anyway, so it's, it's great. I get to use it for the show. There's a lot more people that understand and speak Spanish um, across the cultures in our country uh, than you would imagine. And, you know, when they, and when they see somebody who's supposed to speak Spanish and they speak Spanish, it's very accepted. But I think by, by keeping it authentic in that regard, you know, if they speak Spanish, then they speak Spanish. And, and, it, and it, it, it rings true. And that's the goal. Do you think American crime captures this season the real plight of the Mexican jornalero? And do you really believe that Trump, when he says Mexican immigrant workers are taking jobs from white Americans, that he's right? Yes, I think the American crime season represents a faction of the real farm workers that are in the field right now. Not all of them. Not all farms and not every, that's not our goal. We're not intending to represent everyone, but you know, the ones that we are representing, we want to make sure that they're authentic and that they're 
respectfully portrayed. Mm-hmm. As far as what Trump believes and how he's trying to uh, create a dialogue, uh, I I leave that up to other people to decide because I, my own opinions, yes, although they do matter, they do greatly matter. My job as a character is to let you, to play the character and let you decide your own reaction to that. Fair enough. I know many of the episodes during the course of the last three seasons have been directed by women here and there, uh, but from what you've noticed, have there been any Latino directors getting any opportunities on the show? I'm trying to think. I'm not remembering any names. You see that that's 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 see that reaction that you just had is is has always been a concern for me because every time I try to come up with Latino directors uh, that are doing mainstream general market work, it's always very hard. Um, even though we've done a lot right. of diversity and a lot of inclusion and in, in film and TV showing it more than ever, um, have you ever uh-huh. wanted to be a director? Uh, have you ever uh, worked with great Hispanic directors that 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 are worth talking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, a buddy of mine, Michael De Lorenzo, he's an actor and director. Felix Alcala, he's another director that I know. Um, you know, and there are several out there, uh, you know, from Guillermo del Toro and, and all the rest. There's a wonderful array of wonderful yeah, Latino, Hispanic actors. But I don't want to take away from what we are doing at American Crime and giving wonderful opportunities to wonderful, deserving directors, regardless of their heritage, regardless of their their... They're just great storytellers, and, and, I, and I love the fact that they were looking far and wide to give them that, that platform and to prove their worth. You know, this isn't, this isn't a friendship. It's a business, and these people have earned their rights and have done a wonderful job in their given job, and I, I don't want to overlook that part of it. Um, but as far as contributing or, and uh, inviting more Latino directors, always, absolutely. More Latino directors and writers and producers, um, I would love that. From all levels, you know, I grew up in, in a bilingual uh, Latino theater company in Albuquerque, mm-hmm. and part of the mission was to represent the people of the community, and we happened to be a hodgepodge of New Mexican um, citizens, which mm-hmm. meant we were black, and we were white, and we were German, uh, and we were Colombian, and we were ancient Spanish, and some Navajo, that whole aspect that mission of the theater company was very simple. Just represent these people that we're speaking to on stage. Um, and I think that that's important to remember when you're doing that in film and TV as well. You, right. you know, I did a wonderful movie called Bless Me Ultima, and the director was Carl Franklin. Well, Carl Franklin has, happens to be African-American. That did not stop his ability to be respectful and, and tell a wonderful story about a Latino family. Right. You know, so, yeah, I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, <laughs> let's be respectful of the story. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, but I love, but I'm always keeping my eye open and embracing authentic voices wherever they may come from. Changing gears, Netflix's House of Cards is almost upon us. Uh, is Hector Mendoza returning yeah. to the show? And what can we expect from him and the show? Um, I can't speak to House of Cards in the sense because... Um, we had scheduling conflicts, uh, it's not a romantic story, but we had scheduling conflicts when I was doing that and doing the first season of American Crime. Right. Um, so the door is left open, but we haven't made anything concrete. I like. So I don't know what, what, what journey they're on right now. I liked Hector Mendoza. I thought we needed more Hector Mendoza on House of Cards. <laughs> Definitely. Especially now more than ever. 
Um, you recently yeah, worked. Yeah, no, I love doing that. <laughs> you recently worked uh, opposite Tom Cruise on the crime thriller American Made. It's based on a true story of a drug smuggling pilot that worked for TWA in the 1980s. Who do you play there, and yeah. how was the experience of working with uh, with Tom Cruise in a Tom Cruise movie? <laughs> you got an hour? Yeah. Um, I play. Um, <laughs> I play a character called Wrangle, who is the head of the DEA. And my job is to um, kind of control this pilot to my needs about getting certain photographs or making certain deliveries and everything else. But that wonderful story is about a pilot who is being pulled and tugged by many, many, many different people. Mm. He's being tugged by the CIA, the FBI, the uh, Oliver North, uh, the DEA, you know, um, Pablo Escobar. There was a whole... A whole range of people that were saying, you know what, you have the machine and you're doing taking the risk, we're going to use you. <laughs> um, and I think it's a fascinating story. How it, Yeah, exactly. It, it's fascinating how it unravels and, and how it you know, concludes in the end. Um, Doug Lyman directed that as well. Right. He hasn't done anything with Universal since uh, The Born Identity. Yeah, and he's just a fantastic director. And the two of them are just super creative. Working with Tom Cruise is like, it's just, amazingly professional, amazingly uh, intelligent. And, you know, it's just think this through, let's recreate, let's reinvent, and always aiming for the best. You know, they're not afraid to, you know, on the fly, add a new scene or change a line here and change a line there. So it's, it's really awesome. And I'm just curious, because it happened to me the first time I met Tom Cruise. Were you starstruck when you saw him? Uh, I wasn't, to be honest. Really? I, I, Is I it because you're such a veteran cool. in the business yeah, already? No, I, I mean, to be honest, he... Uh, appeared the same way exactly how I thought he would appear. You know what I mean? He wasn't taller than I thought or shorter than I thought or, or not nice or nicer. None of that. He was straight up Tom Cruise, look you in the eye, shake your hand, say, hi, I'm Tom. And I thought, right on, dude. Let's work together. <laughs> well, Benito Martinez, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You can catch Benito in the new season, season three of ABC's American Crime uh, this Sunday on March 12th. Benito, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. It's time for Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Sony Pictures is making a movie about Mexican drug lord El Chapo. No word on who's directing or starring in it. There will be a Godfather reunion at the Tribeca Film Festival this year. Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling plan a Neil Armstrong biopic titled First Man for October 12, 2018. And Steven Spielberg will team up with legendary actors Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep to make a journalism film titled The Post. Changing over to the small screen, Mexican-American comedian Cristela Alonso returns to ABC to star in Gospel of Kevin. Netflix's Latin-themed One Day at a Time, starring Rita Moreno, has been renewed. John Leguizamo will co-star in ABC drama pilot Salamander, and HBO's Game of Thrones will return for its seventh season on July 16th. Switching over to music... Prince Royce earns his fourth number one Latin album chart topper with his new Spanish language album, Five. Pitbull hinted at Romeo Santos and Britney Spears being part of the Hey Ma remix track in the Fate and the Furious soundtrack. 
And Lionel Richie and Mariah Carey's All the Hits Tour will kick off July 21st at Oracle Arena in Oakland and end September 5th at Key Arena in Seattle. And finally in Broadway news, Judy Garland's A Star is Born musical is heading to Broadway. Beauty and the Beast movie helmer Bill Condon will direct it. The French musical Amelie began performances this week with an official opening April 3rd, and Colombian actor John Leguizamo will officially open his off-Broadway comedy play Latin History for Morons at the Public Theater on March 27th. Jack Hobbs is the president of the new Revolver Podcast Network, quickly becoming one of the top podcast networks in the United States of America, and I'm honored to have him here on the show this week. Jack, thanks for coming on the podcast. From one Jack to another, I'm just <laughs> thrilled that uh, that we're we're in your in your presence. Your, oh your, God! Your, from your TV days, <laughs> I've been a big fan. I, I I can just tell that your addition to the Revolver Podcast uh platform is going to be scintillating i was gonna i was gonna leave the announcement to the end but i mean you know we might as well just say it now uh let's do the official announcement i will be joining hold on hold on drum roll please i will be joining the revolver podcast with jack hobbs ladies and gentlemen we are honored we are honored in so many different ways from your knowledge of broadway to movie film to personnel talent gossip and and your overall jovial nature we're just thrilled to have you jack well thank you very much um and, and I you bring talk- an essence you bring an essence to this to this platform that i think will be uh just uh, just a very very positive attitude to everything so we're very very we're proud, first of all, and we're happy to have. You. I'm very happy to be a part of it. Uh, it's my first time being part of a podcast network. I mean, this whole thing about podcast network, network seems to be like new. It's like a new thing. So, what exactly is the Revolver Podcast Network, and why did you feel, Jack, that you needed to embark on this journey to create it? Well, you know, it, it started several years ago. Uh, Stephen, our Stephen Hobbs, our, our chief uh, digital officer, said, you know, we have to find different ways to, to reach different ears. Um, great, great advice. Uh, we started it at a, uh, our, our former uh, uh, network operation over at uh, Univision, and uh, we built it from 2006 until about 2012, um, utilizing talent that we had on the air on our uh, AMs and some of our music talent. And we're really, we were ahead of the time at the time. Um, we didn't know how valuable a download was. We didn't know how valuable this. So you had uh, to learn all of this. You have, we had to learn it all. And when you, back in the day, and it sounds like back in, back in the old days, the old uh, days. five or six years ago, you had to really hunt down to find your, uh, your favorite show. Um, you had to be an engineer of sorts. Um, nowadays with the, you know, you have your podcast button on your, on your iPhone or your Android and you push it and you, you take your selection and, and bingo, bango, you have your, 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 your program of choice. Uh, the important thing here is, is what we're trying to do is build options for people to listen. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What what differentiates Revolver Podcast Network from every other podcast network out there like NPR, like Panoply, uh, like Earwolf. Those guys are great. They really do a good job in what they do from a content offering. What we're trying to do is reach not only Latinos, but we're reaching African-American, uh, English-speaking uh, uh, um, uh, listeners to uh, LB, 
LGBTQ to everyone across the board. We we want to have an offering that's available to all people uh, and, and across the total market. Um, and while we we do take some curated programs like Pialine, whose show airs in Los Angeles and fifty other markets, we take it and, and compress it down to an hour and a half. We also have the original programs, like we'll get from you, uh, from uh, uh, Julie Staub to. Uh, you know, you name it. We've got about uh, about forty seven other artists that I that I have to be very careful not mentioning one and not the other. You know how it's right. how grandma takes you into the kitchen and says you're my favorite <laughs> artist or you're my favorite grandchild. <laughs> I have to be really careful. I don't want to uh, offend any of my talent. But we've had such a uh, uh, an outpouring of the hands being raised to be part of the platform. We're very very very. Uh, pleased with where we're at right now. You were one of the top executive dogs over at Univision Radio and SBS Radio. How has mm -hmm. the transition from corporate man to entrepreneur been for you? Well, you know, it's 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 a, that's an interesting question because I'd probably like to have my wife answer that one. Like, uh, <laughs> are we ever going to see a paycheck? But you know, the uh, the interesting part of this is it, it is going from the corporate stance where running you know uh, everything through five or six or seven layers. Um, to making the, your own decisions, it's it, it. Let's put it this way: everybody that's doing this wakes up at around three fifteen to three twenty every morning with their eyes hitting the ceiling. Right, and that everybody is listening right now knows if you're an entrepreneur or if you're building your own business, you wake up and you say, "Am I doing the right thing? Oh my Am, god, is this going to work?" And you just look for little bits and pieces that you build your, put your bricks and your foundation every day. You look for a positive. I was going to ask you, what is the current state of multicultural podcasts in the U.S.? I feel like you're the only one. Um, I read there was a study done by QZ.com. I know that Wired Magazine also did an article about this that indicated 85% of podcasts had at least one white host and just 18% had a non-white host. Do you agree with those numbers? The numbers are, are clear, but what we're trying to do is upset that apple cart in which we are a disruptor. Uh, no doubt about it. You know, of our 55 plus shows, we only have 10 white people. Wow. <laughs> so we flipped it. We flipped it around. Now, what I think as we move forward, as we're going to see this, um, you know, this whole mess in Washington where the fear along the border and the, the immigration factor has, I think, slowed to a nil. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the fear of the wall, fear of the deportation and all of that. So now you're looking at a second and third generation Latino who, as I like to say, they have two feet in two worlds. And that's who we're, you know, really, really targeting. Uh, people who live in, 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 live at home and celebrate three kings, but also celebrate Christmas, celebrate Quinceañeras, but they also celebrate their three sixteens, right? Um, so, so we, so we have, uh, you know, we have this this dichotomy of, of 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 two different worlds, and that's what we're trying to to keep the thread of Latino through our programs, um, as, as well as bring entertainment. Um, you know, road tripping with the the two guys from the NBA, the Cleveland Cavaliers is the number one show in sports. Well, of course, it's the Cavs, the champs of it's the NBA. the Cavs, of course. And unfortunately for you Nick fans and or sister fans, we're another year of <laughs> Don't of rub suffering. it in. Don't rub oh, it in. Oh, my come God, on. I'm still suffering. My Listen, sisters, come on. They've had like nine, nine, <laughs> I think, first-round draft choices, and I don't think they have two left. Oh, my God. Um, Listen, you, you're, but, you're a white guy, and, and – 
you know, you're not. Don't a, hold that against me, Jack. Come I, on. And I'm not, but but I think it's important to talk about because your affinity to Hispanic and your affinity to the multicultural universe is uncommon. Uh, where did that desire to be a part and to be integrated into the part of the fabric of the uh, diversity of America? come to you because you worked at Univision, you worked at SBS, and now you're disrupting podcasts by creating diverse products. You know, it started back in my baseball days. Uh, I was a professional baseball player for about six, seven years. And my first tour of duty uh, in the winter leagues was in in Caracas, Venezuela, where Mm -hmm. I used to walk around with a little dictionary in my back pocket to learn one or two words and read the billboards. And that's how I learned Spanish. Um, from that, uh, after I got done my, my playing career all too soon, and or maybe they just couldn't get me out quick enough, um, leaving, uh, the, from, leaving from the Minnesota Twins, I, I, I started a job at, at uh, SIN, which was Spanish International Network, which was the precursor for Univision. Mm-hmm. And I saw the marketplace, and I saw the marketplace being, it was just so un, unjustly served in the sense that, you know, I would, I would go on sales calls and I'd hear some senior marketing people go, if I had to pick a street in New York City for Latinos live, what street should I pick? And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is so wrong in so many different ways. And as I progressed through my career at Univision, I did every job in, uh, under the, uh, uh, except on air at Univision. And from a sales and marketing sense, we, we started to, I started to build this whole sense that, you know, Latino market is just so underserved in so many different ways. And, you know, going from, from TV, network television, building that, to network radio at Univision and Hispanic Broadcasting, to SBS and building that, um, I just, you know, the, the digital is, is the direction. It's people want to make their own decisions. They don't want corporately uh, uh, programs, music, and, and talk. They want to hear what they want to hear. And that's why I'm providing the service for Latinos and for the general market. It, it just lends itself to what the, the world is all about now. It's audio on demand. And That's right. while you're driving or while you're, you're running or on, on the treadmill or doing some kind of exercise, Jack Rico, I hope you're doing some kind of exercise. I am. Um, boy. And, and you have your earbuds because earbuds are, are, are the prerequisite these days. Um, that the phone and the earbuds are, are your, are your communication device now, uh, want, to the outside world. I want to talk a little bit about, um, your previous profession in radio and how radio and podcasts, uh, integrate with each other. Do you think podcasts are the natural evolution of radio? And if so, do you think it will one day eventually replace radio? Well, you know, it goes back to the audio on demand. People want to hear what they want to hear when they want to hear it. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, remember, we're, we're being hit by not only so many messages every day, we're being hit by, by content uh, providers every day. And, and the net in the nutshell is you want to have your choice and you want to, if you want to listen to right-wing rhetoric, you're going to listen to, uh, Rush Limbaugh at one. If you want to hear movies and gossip and, and cheese me, you're going to listen to Jack Rico. When you, when you have a time in the afternoon, you're going to listen to financial advice from Julie Staub. You'll all, everything that we have from sports to finance to movies to gossip, we we try to leave it out there for our audience to make that decision. And why do you our think, numbers show that? And why do you think radio hasn't evolved? I mean, it just still I is think, a is yeah, a yeah, it's it's, it's a, a platform. Good question. It's a platform that I feel 
is stuck anachronistically in a different era. And it's still a music platform, but with so many live um, and music streaming websites like Spotify and Apple and Tidal and uh, Pandora, etc., I, I just can't seem to understand why Spanish language or even English language radio hasn't become an on-demand audio platform. You know, it's an, it's it's an interesting, and, and 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 I think it's a question that has to be asked by the 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 radio uh, uh, powers that be, the you know, radio you gods, the radio <laughs> gods that uh, you know I, I once was. I think I don't know. <laughs> I'm a god. What was that movie? I'm a <laughs> I'm a golden god. Yeah. Uh, no, um, actually, I, um, I I look at it and I see. Groups like iHeart that have brought in, you know, some key personnel for uh, Chris Peterson. Um, I see the guys at um, at Spotify who do an incredible job. I mean, those, when I get numbers from Spotify, you can take those numbers to the bank, that, and they know who their listener is, and they know who our listener is. Actually, um, the radio groups are—they look at it, but they look at it as eh, it's just there. I got to do something and. You know, do they force their talent to do it or do they, does the talent want to do it? And what I want are people that want to be engaged and active in terms of extending their brand. This is why we're getting more on the print side. The print guys are coming to us and saying, hey, how do we extend our brand further in a digital sense from spoken word? This is where the, the, whole, the whole property is going right now is the extension from print um, you're seeing some very, very uh, first move uh, on-air talents that are that are that are taking and making their own initiation initiative and, and, and putting their programs together. And this is why my door and my phone is always on, uh, and the door is always open for those people that want to come in and be part of a um, uh, you know the the new waves, so to speak. And 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 you know what? We put them out there. We, we're on digital through uh, our digital distribution through Spotify, through iHeart, through iTunes and Google, SoundCloud. All of these, um, you know, and our app's going to be ready in, in, on the 22nd of March. So, I mean, we're, we're putting ourselves out there um, and, and we're putting talent out there for, uh, for a reason. And that's for people to discover. I want to talk about wrongful conviction with Jason Fromm. Sure. Um, it's mm-hmm. been a real success. Why right. do you think that is? Well, you know, the numbers are really, uh, you know, we, we get our numbers from we, out of Facebook and it shows it skews more female. Um, 68% of our, of our listeners are female. Um, and the demographic is 25 to 34, so younger female. And it, it just hits a note that, you know, people can be walking down the street. Now, I was watching a, a thing on, uh, on Spike TV last night uh, with Harvey Weinstein and, and Jay-Z and and the, and, the, and the folks put on um, uh, this, this story, uh, um, Browder, Browder, his name was, right. uh, who was locked up at Rikers for three years for, because he didn't have $980 to bail out. Wow. Now, this is incredible, incredible in this day and age. Now, if that were a white kid, a kid first of all, he wouldn't have been at Rikers. Second of all, he would have. <laughs> you know, he, he would have found $980 or whatever. He wouldn't have been in that situation, but he was stuck at mm-hmm. Rikers for three years. Before I let you go, Jack, 
I want to ask you. Oh, Jack, I'm having so much fun. Brother. I know. But I got to get Tell back to my Texas, my Texas plants here. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what's the most exciting thing about uh, Revolver podcast and what you're doing right now? And what are the things, what are the challenges that you're looking at facing in the next several years? Right. Well, Jack, I, I could say that most exciting is talking to you. I mean, I get to talk to important people like yourself. Um, and, and, you know, we're dealing with folks, like I said, with the Cleveland Cavaliers and, 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 and Hollywood and, uh, you know, movie folks and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just the width and breadth of, of, of talent that we're, that we're bringing in and on the air. Um, you know, there's, there's challenges, a lot of challenges. Like I said, you, you don't, this is, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But at three fifteen in the morning, when my eyes are looking at the ceiling, I think about you know what the next step is in terms. Is it video podcasting? Well, yeah, that's where we're going to be going next. And I think the video, uh, they call it the vod, yeah, or the <laughs> the vodding. Uh, we're going to start vodding shortly. Um, I, you know, because people still like to have that that image in, in, in on their phone and on their computer screen. But I mean that from the video to the monetization and the evangelizing. This is just like Spanish language media was 15 years ago. You got to go out and explain it, talk about it, explain it some more, showcase it and show that it actually works. And you know, the guys that have preceded me have done an incredible job in my guys out there uh, that you mentioned earlier in in, in the show. And they've done an incredible job of, of, you know, from scripts and mid roll and all that. Those guys have really, really, really knocked it out and, and mowed the grass and made it a little bit easier for me. And my last question is, a lot of the podcast listeners uh, right now are probably asking themselves, man, I'm like so pumped up from hearing Hobbs talk about podcasts. I want a podcast and I want to be part of Revolver Podcast. What's the criteria? If, 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 a, if a listener wants to be part of your network, what do they have to do? What's the criteria uh, for them to be integrated into this? Uh, great sure, I, I, I get this question a lot. And, and you know, take a look. Know what your subject matter is and really know it, number one. Number two, remember, this is not just one and done. This is something to build an audience. You have to have one, two, three, four, five weeks in a row of steady 35 to 45-minute shows that, that really open up people's ears, open up their eyes, and say, you know what? I can't wait for this son of a gun to come back with another So another like a major commitment. Another... A major There's got to be a to... commitment. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then, like I said, be ready to promote. Your, your, your social is so important. Um, and, and those that succeed are, go above and beyond from their social standpoint of pushing and cross-promoting and, and, and being an advocate for what they, what they have and what they want to say. Um, you know, it, could, it, run, it runs the gamut. It could run from, uh, you know, your, your interest in, in butterflies to, to, uh, to cooking, <laughs> uh, interest in dogs to uh, automotive. I mean, there are so many different genres out there. Um, but pick something that you really know, really like, and really like to talk about and get some people in there that really can, can have the, the, uh, the communication with you. It's a really, it's a conversation like you and I are having right now. Jack, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're definitely my I could, pleasure. I could talk to you so for hours, excited. man. No, you don't want to talk to me. I'll talk <laughs> to you. Anyway, we're so excited to have Jack Rico yes, on Revolver Podcast. I don't can't forget, wait. Download, download, download. We love you. We miss you, and we want to see you on and hear you on Revolver Podcast. Come see us. Well, thank you so much. And you heard that, listeners. If you want to get on Revolver Podcast, that's what you got to do. Follow Jack's advice. 
And uh, Jack, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for allowing Jack, me to be part of the family. Jack, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it was a pleasure to be here. And if anybody's got anything to say, uh, bitches, any complaints, inf- look at our website, the email. I look at it personally. Give me a buzz. And let me know. All right, Jack. Thank you so Send much. Me a note. Okay, baby. Talk soon. Thanks. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye. Before we move on to our next segment, here's a listen to the songs I've been listening to this week. Los Amigos Invisibles, Espérame, featuring Elastic Bond. Pitbull, J Balvin, Camila Cabello, Heima. Josie and Log, Beso. And before we go, I had a chance to go on the Today Show this week with Al Roker and Danica McElar, formerly of the 80s TV show The Wonder Years, to talk about all the great must-see TV programs you should watch this month of March. Listen in. So here breaking it down for us, editor-in-chief of showbizcafe.com, Jack Rico. Jack Rico. <laughs> you What's happening? All right. So let's jump right in with what March is famous for, the madness. That's right. March Madness begins March 14th and ends April 3rd, and the Villanova Wildcats are the defending champions. And I happen to think that there's only uh, four teams that can actually beat them. That's uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, that's going to be the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And I'm going to throw in there the Butler Bulldogs simply because they beat Villanova twice this season. Ooh. So if they face them again in the tournament, mm-hmm. they could pull off an upset. Interesting. That's what I was going to say. Right. No, yes. <laughs> Moving on to movies. Um, a lot of great movies in March besides, of course, Campfire Kiss, my movie on Hallmark Channel. On that's the nicely done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but we've been hearing about it for a long time. Finally here, Beauty and the Beast. That's right. This is the most anticipated movie of the year so far. Early reviews are are very positive for this film and social media buzz is extremely high as well and it has mostly to do with Emma Watson the discovery of her singing voice like who knew that and also Disney's introduction of the first gay character played by Josh uh, Gad uh, with LaFoe so uh, Ariana Grande and John Legend also are performing on the soundtrack so a lot to look forward to I cannot wait uh, song to song Yes. All right. So listen to this cast. Ryan Gosling, Michael Fassbender, Rooney Mara, and Natalie Portman. It's a modern love story that takes place in the Austin, Texas music scene. And Terrence Malick directs this. Now, if anybody knows Terrence Malick, he's mostly known as this director who uh, directs just pure cinematic masterpieces. Unfortunately, they're completely devoid of any commerciality whatsoever. But I think that this is the movie that's going to loosen up that association. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Now, television. Okay. I used to watch the show when I was a kid. Chips. Oh, my. God, that's right. So Warner Brothers is now uh, remaking the adaptation into a comedy starring (laughs) Dak Shepard and Michael Pena, who's playing Ponch. It's a little different than the original. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, this movie's been in the works for years. I mean, Wilmer Valderrama at one point was attached to this, but now uh, Dak Shepard, this is really Dak Shepard's baby, produced it, directed, wrote it, so you should uh, really look at some laughs here. Great family film with Alec Baldwin playing the role of the boss baby. That's right. Alec Baldwin lends his voice to this animated film about a baby 
uh, who teams up with his kid brother to thwart this <laughs> evil plan that includes puppies yeah, and so uh, babies. <laughs> Expect some clever jokes, some family humor, and a good message about the importance of family. Now, the Americans. The Americans returns today. Yeah, this is the must-show, the must-see show of the season so far. I mean, given the political climate of Russia and the United States, uh, along with the five nominee, uh, Emmy nominees that it got last year, uh, I mean, you're looking at this is probably the arguably the best show on TV right now. That's right. This wow. is the fifth season. Premiering. The fifth season. Pretty right cool. Right. Uh, also premiering this month, Julie's Green Room, starring Julie Andrews. Yes. All right. So think Fame meets Sesame Street with Julie Andrews, and that's what you're getting out of this Netflix show. It's 13 oh, wow. episodes, 30 minutes uh, a piece, and it stars Julie Andrews, uh, who teaches these uh, puppet students uh, about the theater and staging their own musical. You have a lot of guests like Alec Baldwin, Adina Menzel, so and Carol Burnett. That's so cool. And then. So, and, and, Definitely something really that looks look amazing. To. Last mm-hmm. but not least, Grace and Frankie. I love this show. It's returning. Yes, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin are returning to season three on Netflix, and this time the ladies are coping with the fact that their husbands are now gay and they're moving in together. Uh, and Peter Geller now joins the cast, but I'm still kind of wondering where Dolly Parton's going to be making a cameo. I'm like looking forward to this wow. nine to five reunion. That's, That's going to be really cool. cool. My, <laughs> my 18 year old Leela loves the show. She's the one. I love the show. I love the show. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, Jack Rico. <laughs> Always good to see you. I love saying it. Jack Rico. And that's a wrap for our 23rd episode of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Jack Hobbs and Benito Martinez for being on the show this week. I hope you liked it. And if you want to reach out, I'm on Twitter at Jack Rico Official. As you already heard, we're now officially on Revolver Podcast, which means we're on every single podcast platform, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. See you again next Friday on another episode of Highly Relevant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.